Chapter 54 of Fairy Fingers by Anna Cora Mowat Ritchie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 54 An Unexpected Visit. Another week passed on. The day preceding that on which the countess and her party were to set out on their journey had arrived. All the necessary preparations were progressing duly. Maurice, from the hour that he had learned Madeleine's secret, had lived in such a dream of absolute happiness that he felt as though he could ask for nothing more, as though the cup presented to his lips was too full of joy for the one ungrateful drop of an unfulfilled desire to find room. He comprehended Madeleine's character too thoroughly, respected all her instincts and principles of actions too entirely, again to urge his suit, or seek to obtain her promise that she would one day be his. She was his in spirit. He could openly recognize her as his that sufficed, and he believed it would still suffice, if her sense of duty remained unaltered, through his whole earthly existence, for all his days would be brightened by her love, and the privilege of loving her. Bertha, after her first petulant outbreak, had also ceased to press Madeleine on the subject of possible marriage, and with meek demureness reconciled herself to the uncertainty of the future and the certainty of tormenting her lover in the present. Monsieur de Bois's devotion to Madeleine sealed his lips. Madeleine had formed a resolution which she declared unalterable. Bertha had announced a determination dependent upon Madeleine's, and the suitors of the two cousins had only to submit and hope. The labor of packing Madame de Gremont's wardrobe, as well as that of Bertha, devolved upon Adolphine. She had not quite filled the trunks of her young mistress when she was summoned by the countess. This was on the morning of the day preceding the one appointed for their departure. Adolphine was heedless and forgetful to a tantalizing degree. The countess deemed herself compelled to superintend her movements, that is, to sit in an armchair and look on. The lofty lady would not have deigned to assist by touching an article, though she now and then issued an order or indulged in a rebuke, and by her presence greatly retarded Adolphine's operations. Count Tristan had been driven out every day. His mother and Maurice always accompanied him. This morning, when Maurice went to announce to his grandmother that the carriage was at the door, he found her watching Adolphine, who was on her knees before an open trunk. "'It will be impossible for me to accompany you today,' said the Countess. "'I will speak to your father. It will be his last drive, and he must excuse me.' She rose and passed into the drawing-room where Count Tristan was waiting. "'My son,' said his mother, raising her voice as she now always did when she spoke to him, seeming to imagine that by this means she could make him comprehend better. 
he was not however in the least afflicted with deafness and the loud tone was more likely to startle him than to calm the perturbation which was usually apparent when she addressed him my son you are to take your airing this morning without me you understand that this will be your last drive in this detestable city you perfectly comprehend i hope that you leave here to-morrow and before long we will be safely within the time-honoured walls of the old chateau which we ought never to have left the proposed change had been so constantly impressed upon the count's mind by his mother that he seemed at times to be thoroughly aware of it yet at others the recollection faded from his mind at first when the voyage was mentioned he would remonstrate in a piteous feeble fretful way declaring that he would not go but of late he appeared to yield to the potency of madame de gramont's will maurice offered his arm to the count and they left the room as the door closed after them count tristan turned as though to assure himself that it was shut then looked at maurice significantly and nodded his head while a smile brightened his countenance. It was so long since Maurice had seen him smile that even that strange, half-wild, inexplicable kindling up of the wan face was pleasant to behold. As they descended the stair, the Count looked back several times and gave furtive glances around him, smiling more and more then he rubbed his hands and chuckled as though at some idea which he could not yet communicate at the carriage door he paused again and again looked all around continuing to rub his hands then fairly laughed out maurice began to be alarmed at this unaccountable mirth they entered the carriage and the coachman drove in the usual direction but the count exclaimed impatiently no no that's not the way stop him stop him maurice at a loss to comprehend his father's wishes did not immediately comply with his request and with unusual energy himself caught at the check cord and pulled it vehemently this is not the way not the way to madeleine's then maurice comprehended his father's exultation he had conceived the project of visiting madeleine but what was to be done the countess would be enraged if she discovered count tristan had seen madeleine and the agitation caused by the interview might prove harmful to him yet would it not do him more injury to thwart his wishes and would it not be depriving of madeleine of inestimable joy the count grew impatient he shouted out in a clearer tone than he had been able to use since his first seizure to madeleine's to madeleine's i say i will see madeleine maurice hesitated no longer and gave the order his father's agitation was every moment on the increase though it was now of the most pleasurable nature he gave vent to little bursts of triumphant laughter muttering to himself i shall see her i knew i should see her again 
my dear father you will endeavour to be calm will you not i am fearful this excitement will injure you and my grandmother will never forgive me if you become worse through my imprudence she will not know that we have been to madeleine's it would render her uselessly indignant but madeleine will be so overjoyed to see you once more that i could not refuse to comply with your wishes the count murmured to himself rather than replied to his son good angel my good angel we are going to see her we are very near there that's the house yonder i know it among a thousand maurice i'm well i'm strong i want nothing now but to see madeleine it's all right is it not she settled that mortgage she obtained us the votes there's no more trouble nobody knows what a scoundrel i have been i remember all clearly i am very joyful i must tell madeleine i must tell her that she 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 brought something of heaven down to me there must be a heaven or where else could madeleine belong maurice had not heard his father speak as much or as connectedly for a month his face was pleasantly animated in spite of its unnatural expression and he moved his arms about so freely it was evident that the weight which had pressed with paralyzing force upon them was removed the carriage stopped maurice could scarcely prevent his father from springing out before him without assistance the silent robert looked his surprise and gratification as he opened the street door while maurice was inquiring where his mistress would be found count tristan pressed on alone walking with a firm rapid step he entered the first room it was madeleine's bedchamber the one he himself had occupied during her illness it was vacant he passed on crying out madeleine madeleine he looked into the drawing-room then into the dining-room still calling madeleine madeleine he hurried on towards the well-remembered little boudoir there madeleine was sitting at her desk quietly sketching when to her amazement she heard the count's voice she thought it was a fancy but the sound was repeated again and again those were surely his tones she started up and opened the door count tristan was standing only a few paces from it maurice behind him madeleine madeleine i see you i am happy i can die now as these words burst from his lips the count staggered forward and sank on madeleine's shoulder for she had involuntarily stretched out her arms towards him the next instant he slipped through them and dropped heavily upon the floor one glance at his distorted face and at the foam issuing from his lips one sound of that stertorous breathing was enough maurice and madeleine knew that he had been struck with apoplexy for the third time maurice and robert carried him to the bed he had before occupied and madeleine sent for dr bayard in all haste the count lay quite still save for that heavy breathing and the convulsive motion of his features madeleine and maurice stood beside him in silence their hands interlocked dr bayard arrived looked at the patient shook his head and 
turning to Maurice, said in a low tone, There is nothing to be done. But see, answered Maurice, clinging to a faint hope, he is getting over it. He seems better. It is the third stroke, replied the doctor significantly, as he was leaving the room. Madeleine heard these words, though they were spoken in an undertone, and she followed Maurice and the physician from the apartment. Do you mean, she inquired of the physician, in accents of deep sorrow, it is impossible for Count Tristan to recover from this shock. My dear young lady, I am unwilling to say that anything is impossible. The longer a physician practices, the more he realizes that we cannot judge of possibilities. But in my experience, I have never known a case of apoplexy that survived the third stroke. He will die then. Oh, will he die? His life for the last two months has been a living death, replied the physician kindly. Could you wish to prolong such an existence? The doctor took his leave, promising to return, but frankly avowing that his presence was needless. As soon as he had gone, Madeleine said to Maurice, who appeared to be so much stunned by this new blow that he was incapable of reflection, your poor grandmother, oh, Maurice, what a terrible task lies before you. You will have to break this news to her. She must want to see him once more, and he may not linger long. You have not a moment to lose. I feel as though I could not go to her, answered Maurice. What good can she do here? She will only insult you again. And if my father should revive... Her words may render his last moments wretched. Let him die in peace. Madeleine replied, She may be softened by the presence of the angel of death. She may long to hear one parting word of tenderness from his lips, and utter one in return. Go, I beseech you. Go and bring her. And Maurice went. End of chapter 54